<clears throat> we live. We live. <clears throat> hey, did you guys know that I uh, I'm doing videos for Weaver Leather? I did know that. You did know that, right? Did the fans know that? I did know that. I'm doing uh, videos for Weaver Leather every other month. I'm doing a video on that channel. And the last video I did, which was the second I ever did, is the second highest rated video on that channel. Out of nowhere, which is the one I thought was going to tank because it was one of those videos where I kind of screw up in the middle of it and I admit it and I just keep going forward hmm. with the... Everyone likes when they screw up. Hmm. They don't realize I screw up all the time. I just don't actually show it. <laughs> Every once in a while I do. I think people like when any of us screw up. Yeah. I think it, it's like they go, oh, look, they're not perfect and they don't claim to be perfect. I think that's... A, everybody knows we're not perfect, but I think yeah. when they see us admit a mistake, they... See, I think there's this assumption that like we we get. always think we always do things. Right. Yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, I knew you would mess up just like I do. Yeah, you know, connects people. I it's well, good. I mean, it really wasn't. It's just I wasn't extremely happy with the net result, but it was okay. It was great. I mean, it was great for the attempt. And like I said in the video, the first attempt is great. Second attempt is always better. So it's always good to do things multiple times. I wouldn't know. Greater. Great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, so that's it. I just happened to notice that I'm the second highest rated video. Their, their other video, which is like maybe two million, I think, has been up for a while. So maybe I'll I'll uh, I'll get pole position shortly. But that's good that you know every once in a while that old man in the basement of YouTube walks along and's like, oh, I want to look at an old leather <laughs> video, and he opens up that little faucet a little bit, and then yeah. you, you get views on a video. I'm surprised you know how it works. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think you have. Y- you have a deep technical understanding of of YouTube's internal. Bobby structure. Duke, Alex Steele, and 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 you, Bob. You guys are all in that part of the basement where it's flooded, so he doesn't like to go there that much. That's why. That's what's going on. <laughs> okay. A couple of years ago, I did a video on on my channel, and it was sponsored by Bruso Hardware, and they sent me some hinges. They make like really fine hinges, and they're pretty pricey, but they're yeah. They're really, really good hinges. And I was making a drop leaf table and I completely used the hinge wrong in the video. But the drop leaf still worked. And I had to like, I'm like, they're paying me to do this. And I did it completely wrong. I can't go back now. And so I, and their instructions were perfectly clear. I just didn't read the instructions and I had to send them the email. I'm like, I did this wrong. And I explained how I did it wrong in the video. Is this cool? And they were totally fine with it. And, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but I felt like a like a moron. <laughs> I feel like a moron pretty often. <laughs> which is, I'm constantly doing stuff like the wrong way just because I didn't take the time to look it up. I'm trying to get better about that. That is like a personal thing for me that I I often will just jump into something because I'm not worried about whether it's the precise correct way to do it. I just want to like give something a shot, right? So I just jump in. But I'm trying to get better about, like, taking a breath there and doing at least the minimal amount of research <laughs> to figure something out, you know, just to get ahead of my own mistakes. A lot of times when we get a new tool in or a fixture or, or something for the shop, I'll have Camera Dan put it together in the spare time. And I love you, Camera Dan. He listens to this. But every, he'll, he'll be in the middle of something putting something together and he's like this isn't working and we're missing the screws i'm like well, where's the directions he's like i don't read directions i'm like no i bought this thing read the directions and follow the steps yeah 
Love I find myself on occasion Googling or YouTubing if I'm in the middle of putting something together. At this point, no matter what it is, somebody has done it and made a video of it. So I'll, I will always Google just to see quickly. Like, for instance, I'm working on this antique uh, Honda that I bought. I bought for Taylor so she could learn how to work on a, on a motorcycle. And the clutch wasn't working to start it, the starter clutch, the thing that would engage the motor when you push the button. And so I went online. I found a great video all about it. And it just answered every question. But I do that when I'm looking up instructions, too. That was the most if, recent thing I did. If you have a product and a user of your product has not made a how-to video, you absolutely have to have a video of how to put the thing together, no matter what your product is. Yeah. I went. I was looking at a, a plug-in for um, Logic Pro yesterday, and I land on the homepage of this plugin, and I just want to see a video of it in action. On their website, no video of it in action. Just like download trial. I'm like, no, I want to. Mm. I don't want to download the trial. I want to see it in action. So I have to go to YouTube and find some somebody who doesn't make good videos. Why <laughs> I have to watch a crappy video on 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 this thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's funny. I was cleaning out a drawer the other day, and uh, it was in our kitchen, and it had the manual for like our dishwasher or something i don't remember like when we moved into the house a couple of years ago one of the new appliances we got there was this manual for it and i like put it in the drawer and it that's just a holdover from that time when if you got a user manual with something expensive that you bought you held on to it just in case you needed some information right and now you don't even have to like look at it like there's a pdf somewhere mm-hmm. that has the exact same information that's that will be there forever and you don't have to have that drawer in your kitchen you know full of books uh, I have my my grandpa, my the grandpa that's no longer with us. I have his camera, and in the camera bag was the manual for this camera that he bought in 1977. And it's got all of his notes. It's got the serial number written in there, where he bought it, and then like he, um, it, the instructions within the manual are really good, like how to take good photos and how to use the settings. And he's got things highlighted in there. It's it was just really cool to look at something from 40 years ago and see my grandpa's notes. That's cool. That is pretty cool. Hmm. <clears throat> well, what have you guys been up to? Anything cool? Um, not. I don't know what we're going to make this week yet. I'm going to decide as soon as the podcast mm-hmm. is over. Um, I think, uh, yeah, don't know. I really, hmm. I, I work best under pressure. And so Dan's coming over tomorrow. And we actually have, I, I, I don't I want to say I double book myself, but I have two videos coming up for sponsors and next week is is a holiday. So I have to have two videos done kind of this week for approval. So I think we're um, the easiest videos to make are probably tip videos or some sort of jig video. So I need to see what I need to make. Maybe I have a jig that I need to remake some something along those lines. And those videos always seem to do well with with my with my viewers. Hmm. What have I done? I just recently posted a video from I made uh, probably about two months ago of me making CNC. It's just almost 100% CNC signs for Seagram 7. And they actually requested that I make a video. But I had already started when they called me and said, hey, can you make a video of that? So the video is really quick. It's quick and it's it's all CNC. And CNC videos don't always do very well, but I know there's people out there that like them. So I put them out there anyway. And uh, it's me making these two Seagram 7 signs that I got ordered. Like, they needed to be delivered, like, on a Monday. I got the gig on, like, a Thursday. And 
anyway, it worked out good. They they got out there and uh, and the videos out and a bunch of other videos behind the scenes of brewing and cooking along. I got this antique rifle and I've been restoring it and slowly getting it back in action. And uh, so that's fun. It's, I guess tell you about this, this old antique yeah. Winchester. I, t- I talked about it on Fitzall. Yeah. So mm. it got this, this Winchester rifle. Apparently it's super rare. I, everything I found about it is, is just, just says how rare it is, but I haven't gotten that like Pawn Stars rifle expert yet to tell me. And uh, I'm going to do some stories on it later today and ask if there's any rifle aficionados out there that can tell me more about it. I found a couple of little snippets on the websites, on various websites, but I, I want to talk to somebody that has firsthand knowledge. Give me more info on it. So there's that. And then I'm also getting ready for my trip to Ohio. I'm going to be at the Hartsville Hardware representing Weaver Leather. So that's going to be this this Thursday he just told me, actually, because the website is a little cryptic. Let me just see exactly what he says. I just spoke to my buddy Lee over there, um, or Connor. Burp, 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 burp. So I will be uh, the Friday and Saturday, 11 to 12, 11.30 to 12.30, Friday and Saturday. So I'm going to be up there both days. I didn't realize that. I thought it was just up there one day. So if you're out there and you're in Ohio this coming Saturday, which is tomorrow from the day this is published... Is it, wait, what did I say? Friday and Saturday. So today, right after you're done listening to the podcast, (laughs) today (laughs) today and tomorrow as this is published. So that's what I'm up to. And then then I'll stop traveling and then I'll start making videos again, at least for a couple of weeks. I think you said that last week. (laughs) I know. Pretty sure you were like, yeah, I think I'm done now. I'm going to stay home for a while. No, well, I meant just this week. But I, I, in preparation for my trip, I'm doing a collaboration with Chuck, the guy that works at at Weaver Leather, I'm going to be doing a belt with him. So I'm making belt buckles this week with the Weaver logo, and then they want one with my logo so they can give them both away on the website. So I did uh, casting all week long. That's what I did all weekend long, experimenting with casting, and that was in my stories. So There'll be a video on all that. Cool. Yeah. That was cool to see. Uh, speaking of Weaver Leather, they're sponsoring my next video, which is coming up. I guess it will have come out yesterday. Oh, great. If you're listening to this on Friday. Um, and I took an old, like a direct, a folding director's chair, you know, like the wooden frame fold up kind. Jenny found one of those on the street, like in our neighborhood somewhere. It was just in the street on the street, didn't have a back and didn't have a, <laughs> on the streets of, of my small town. Um, it didn't have a back and it didn't have a seat. So I guess something had happened to those and they just put the frame out there and the wood was in pretty good shape, but the finish was coming off and stuff. <clears throat> excuse me so she picked that up and it sat in our garage for like i don't know a year and a half or something so i took that and made a leather seat and a leather stretch back across it and then painted it and man it turned out really nice and it was the first time i've ever done anything with leather oh like, fantastic anything at all and so they sponsored that um and sent me some tools and sent me a really cool uh sewing machine that is a new thing for them and it worked out really well. I like that a lot. So did that, and uh, I experimented with a little bit of hand stitching as well. But I really wanted to try out this machine. And the two, I didn't have didn't have much stitching, but it was two straight lines, and so it was a really good example to use, like the walking sewing machine, a walking foot or whatever. Um, but it's cool. Like, and it, as soon as I started doing the leather stuff, like they sent a few tools. I watched a bunch of videos on their site. Watched a couple of your videos, Jimmy. And as soon as I started using these tools, I'm like, man, leather is awesome and easy. 
I mean, I'm sure it gets more difficult the more complex things you do, but like to get something done with it and to make a thing, to form it around something or to, and to dye it and finish it, mm. like there's not that much to it and you don't need many tools. No. And it's something that I, I feel like a lot of people like me probably mm. look at and go, wow, those things look really nice. That must be difficult. Or you must have, the a, only, have the only thing tons of background. That's difficult. It's not difficult to make anything in leather or to shape leather or to cut it or to, to sew it together. The only thing that's difficult, and this is basically the skill set with everything, is making it precise and perfect. You can get it done and it will work. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the hard part is like maintaining a clean work environment, maintaining your piece of material without getting either a glue stain on it or chipping it with a piece of, ra- you know, chipping a section of it with a razor or, or another cutting tool. That is the hard part for me because I'm a bit sloppy when I work. Maintaining a perfect work environment and keeping that piece nice and clean while you work on it because you're handling it the entire time. There's a million opportunities for you to get a to have a crazy glue on it or a coffee stain if you're not if you're not really on point. So that's 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 the hard part when you see somebody do a beautifully perfect gun holster or something like that. That being said, there's a lot of leeway to fix those type of mistakes. You just got to have experience with it, and you develop that experience as you keep working. Yeah, I so I made this back for this chair, and it's just a a, a piece. It's not straight; it looks straight, but the way that the back goes on the two arms, they kind of splay out a little bit. So it looks like a straight back, but then the little loops that go around the two arms are actually at small angles. And I didn't realize that until I started actually mapping it out and forming it around and stuff. And so I made one of these. I doubled up the material on the back so it has a nice thick leather back and that makes it rigid. So it's like a strong thing that you're leaning back against. And it, you know, I got it all dyed. I got it waxed and it looked beautiful. And I went to to stitch it and not having used this well i've only sewn a couple of times anyway but i never sewn in leather i used this new machine and did one side of stitching and it looked great did the other side and it was too close to the edge of the piece of leather that i was doing but i didn't realize that till i got, you know, it was only like six inches long and so the stitch holes are right on the very edge of the material which doesn't do any good and it doesn't actually look very good and <clears throat> I thought about, you know, since this was my first project, just kind of being like, oh, well, I learned something. Look, everybody, I learned something. But the more I looked at it, I'm like, this thing looks so nice, except for that one seam. <laughs> and I ended up over the weekend, this is the last couple weeks ago or whatever, ended up just starting from scratch on that back, molding a new piece, dyeing the whole thing, ordered more dye, and then <clears throat> took more time on, now that I understood that part of the sewing process, took more time to redo that better. And I'm so happy that I did that. It's very, it's not very often that I care enough about a particular project to like start from scratch on a piece and completely redo it. Cause usually something's fixable, but that one, it was like the one big glaring error. Did you redo it on camera? Otherwise, uh, no, cause it was the same process, but I did show the fact that I, you know, over the weekend I just got, I wasn't happy with this. So I redid it. Here's the new one, whatever. Um, but it, I'm so glad that I took the time to do that because it looks a lot better. And it was just a simple mistake in the very last step of that whole piece. You know, the stitching was the last thing. And uh, so it's kind of a pain to have to start all the way over and do the whole thing twice. But I did a much better job with it. And I understood the dyeing process better. Um, I formed stuff around the arms a little bit differently that time. And 
It's really interesting though. I didn't, I, I did a test with forming the leather on some scraps just because I had seen Jimmy and other people do it and I never really did it. You just wet it, put it around something and clamp it down, leave it for a little while for it to dry out and then it holds that shape. And <clears throat> I didn't think about the fact that it holds it so well that if you use clamps directly <laughs> on the leather, wet leather, it will imprint the foot uh... or the face of the clamp so I had these little like squeeze clamps that have like a square flat face and a logo or something on them. And so I just squeezed this piece around, came back the next day and pulled it off and I have little imprints of the the end of the clamp. And while that was a test, it didn't matter. It was one of those things where I'm like, oh, like you could use that by, if you were clamping a piece up, you could make a, a little die or something to put in there and make an impression while you're clamping. Anyway, it's just a whole new material for me. So all these little things like that, I'm just like, oh, wow, I hadn't even thought about that. And like, look at this. You can mix dyes and you can dye the edges differently than the face hmm. and, the, you know, this and this and this. In, in seventh grade industrial arts class was the, the first time and pretty much the only time I've ever really worked with leather. And, we, and I made a, a, a little wallet and I wish I still had it because we we, we pounded, uh, we got to pound letters in there. I don't know what that technique is called and a bunch of little like decorative elements and paisleys and stuff. And then like a plastic braided weave all along the edges. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I yep. wish I still had that wallet because it is probably super ugly, but yeah, <laughs> um, I really don't have much experience with leather except for I will just uh, cut pieces square and put them in the bottom of a box. And I've done a couple little things on the, mm. on the laser, but yeah, nothing, no, no sewing or, or forming. I was just really surprised at how minimal the tool set can be. Obviously you can get, <laughs> you can get a million tools for anything if you want to have every variation of everything, but the stitching chisels, you know, like a normal utility blade, um, a little like a skiver to thin out the backside. It's like a little knife that you can skin out, uh, thin out the backside of the material, um, like a little edger and a marker. And then, you know, like a ruler and like you could do that on, on a kitchen table and you could make some really amazing stuff in a very small space with very few tools. So it was nice to, to be introduced to something that I've always looked at as a little overwhelming and I've just never had a reason to try it. And then to jump in and be pleasantly surprised at like, this is fun and not super difficult to get started. You know, there's no big hurdle to jump over. Mm. There's no like bandsaw that you have to have to do this thing. It's just like a handful of stuff, a small work area. The laser, it laser cuts beautifully too. If you ever really wanted to do anything with a laser. It stinks. Yeah, it does so. stink. Smell it. Yeah. But it leaves a nice little dark edge. I kind of like the way the, what the laser does to the edge. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that video will be coming out. Um, hopefully people who already know what they're doing with leather will be uh, patient. Because <laughs> I'm sure I didn't do things the right way, you know. But And I, I tried to make it really clear, like, this is a first. I'm giving this a go, you know. But So hopefully people will be patient. Um, we worked on that this past week and a uh, bunch of other stuff. It's been really cold outside, so we've been trying to come up with things to do inside. Um, <clears throat> there was something I was going to talk. Oh yeah. So this is not related to what we were actually going to talk about today, but I got an email this morning. I wanted to kind of bring up with you guys. It was a comment, <clears throat> man, my throat. I'm sorry. So I, this comment was on about a video that I did 
I, I don't even know, probably four years ago, something long time ago. I made this little camera stabilizer, which was just a, it's a thing I've I'd seen a bunch of other people do since. It's a little T-shaped bar. You mount your camera on the top and you put a counterweight on the bottom and it just counterweights the camera and it sta helps stabilize a little bit. It's not an active stabilizer. It's not a gimbal. It's just a counterweight. Now, when I was in college, or actually right after college, so probably late 90s, early 2000s, my friend of mine was in film school, and he wanted one of these things, and we got to talking about the best way to do it. And I guess some guys that he worked with at school had done something similar, so we made this little black iron pipe stabilizer, and we put one of his weights from his weight bench on the bottom as the weight. We did that <coughs> a long time ago. <coughs> Not, you know... Okay, uh -huh. that's the story. That's the setup. So this comment <clears throat> was like, when you put first put this project out, I didn't say anything about it, but I'm listening to the back catalog of your of making it. In episode 20, you talked about open source ideas, and you state that you should have attribution if you copy a design. Based upon that, you should state that this design was done in the past by Johnny Chung Lee. The similarities of your execution of the project are rather sticking. At least to me, these look identical. So what I think is this person is trying to call me out as stealing an idea and not giving attribution. <clears throat> and I don't know when this guy did Bob, his version. I'm glad you, I'm glad you're bringing no, this on, up on, because on, I've been, it's been on this my is, mind for serious. a long this is time. In my head. <laughs> this, this is in my head. And I want to get it out because I think it's really important to realize that I don't know who this guy is. And I know I remember like when I put that video up, people posted a lot of like, Oh, this is just like so-and-so's not, not just this guy. Like, 20 other people. One thing I think is really interesting about coming up with an idea is that there's often people, and I'm not saying we came up with the idea. I'm saying like me and my friend, Anthony, he, he saw it somewhere and I did a thing and then we simplified it in even more. But when you take a problem and you try to solve it, it's very, very common that two people will end up in parallel thinking to the simplest possible solution. It's not like two people come up with two really complex ways to do things and they happen to be the same. As you simplify an idea as a project down to its most basic elements, the simplest way you could build it, the simplest way to film it, or the simplest way to counterbalance something, you can only get so simple before those things are identical, most likely. And so I, I think, it, I mean, there's a little bit of pride in me because this guy's calling me out and calling me, you know, saying that I'm not giving somebody attribution. And I, that's not a good thing for me. So I'm trying not to be prideful about it, but it got me thinking about like, um, how, how parallel thinking happens a lot in what we do and people that make things, they often get to the same or similar result completely independently. But especially if you're going for the simplest possible solution to a problem, you're going to end up at the same place pretty often. I think, have you guys run into that at all? I mean, yeah, it's called Anything it's like called that? low hanging fruit, and if you don't have experience designing and developing things, you get that spark of the low hanging fruit. You go, "Oh my god, that's really cool!" And then you make it, and you turn around and you look in the classroom, and you realize seven other people had the same exact idea, because you're not hmm. you're not researching a project. And I'm not saying you you did what worked. I mean, that's the type of idea that can only be distilled down to its simplest form. So when 10 people do the same exact right. project, it'll be distilled down to the same form. What else is there but a stick, maybe a black pipe, and a weight? What else can there be? It could be a shoe full of water, 
and a piece of tree right. branch, but the physicality of it is exactly the same thing. You have a weight at the bottom of a stick. So there's only a limited number of solutions. If you happen to pick the same three materials that this other guy did, you can't actually say that that's... I mean, people have been using their camera tripod in the same exact manner. Does that mean that that guy copied the idea from the tripod? Because basically it's a weight hanging from a pivot. What shape that weight makes yeah. doesn't matter. It's a physical thing. It's like saying, you stole my idea for a round tire because you made yours in rubber and I made mine in rubber. Does that mean you stole <laughs> it if it made it in wood? You know, it doesn't, it's around. There's only a certain number of physical manifestations of that simple idea. And so for that guy to say that, they've been doing camera stabilizing things since the moment cameras were invented. You know, motion pictures, I would yeah. assume. It's so funny because you think the selfie is a new thing. You guys see a couple of weeks ago on my Instagram, I was going through these bunch of, I bought a, a bunch of slides. They're over, they're from like the 1890s. They're dry plate Kodak slides that I bought. And every one of them ex, is exposed by some photographer. And there's pictures of people, you know, they, they, every picture looks like something from a haunted movie. It's just people with like, you know, collar tabs and fancy clothes and children holding flowers and their eyeballs move so they look like they're the devil so it's all these crazy pictures and one of them is like some dude who looks like one of the wright brothers in front of a mirror taking a selfie of himself it's the guy who took all the pictures it's pretty incredible and he's like his camera's set up on a tripod and he's like you know he's not holding it looking back up in the air trying to get his double <laughs> chin out of the picture because that part hasn't been invented yet but he's doing a a selfie and it's funny it's like you give somebody a camera and immediately all these like certain things start happening. So we think selfies are brand new. Right. And there's a guy who took himself a picture of himself with his own camera 125 years ago. So it's just low hanging fruit. And most of the time, the people that will complain about inventions being, you know, not att attributed to one person are the guys that don't understand the concept of low hanging fruit. Hmm. So you should just tell that guy to go to his little short orchard and just keep doing his thing. Just tell that guy. Well, no, no, no. I'm not trying to to diss on this guy. No, like, no, I will. He's trying. <laughs> no, okay. You can. Jimmy can be the bad guy. He's he's trying to get attribution for somebody who he thinks came up with the first idea. And I actually just opened up the this guy's link, and it does look like a hundred percent identical. So I get why he thinks that I may have stolen the idea. But I think more it just got me thinking about the parallel thinking thing and kind of the simplest possible solution to a problem and how that can absolutely look like two people have ripped off each other or, you know, 10 people have come up with the same idea. I just didn't know if you guys ever run into that. With well, I mean, it's, it's an actual fact that if you research it, that the automobile was invented in like four places at the same time at the turn of the century, you know, or in like the late 1800s. The idea of a of a horseless carriage was it just it was prime for that idea. You know, just the person who came to market first was the guy who looked like he invented it. So, when when there's a bunch of camera people with a bunch of cameras independently thinking, you're most likely going to come up with a lot of the same inventions in different parts of the world. So, it's it happens. And you can't yeah. always say that one person stole the other person's idea, especially if you have no evidence that you ever actually saw that video or that picture. How can he say that? Just because it's in the public means you saw it? Yeah. And that, how many people are in the world? What's, how many human beings are in the world? 
There's like at least nine, maybe maybe ten. Right, let's say let's say that number There's is a hundred million or a hundred billion. <laughs> let's say it's a hundred billion. Now, if that video that he thinks you saw before you made yours had a hundred billion views, his argument would be a little bit stronger. Makes sense, right? Well, yeah, yeah, it does make sense. I, I know what you're saying. I, th- I think the inter- interesting thing. I'm looking at this guy's website, and it was, I guess he put it out in 2000. So it's very likely that someone else down the chain of events, you know, in my friend's film department saw this thing, probably talked to him about it. Then he talked to me about it because he knew I had tools. And then we ended up coming up with the way to actually make it. So it's very possible that mine did come from this. But I don't know. It's just an interesting thing that I wanted to bring up. See if you guys had any thoughts on it. Yeah, no, I think uh, people just, people that are likely to complain just don't really understand the dynamics of the way you know, the invention businesses, it's people come up with the same stuff all the time. Happens yeah. all the time. And then it, it, on, on a different type of scale, a lot of YouTubers come up with the same thing at the same time. We might make the same type of shelf or the shelf bracket or, you know, the, the, also there's, remember when everyone's doing a fidget spinner? I mean, that became a trend. <laughs> I think after a few, it becomes a trend. But when there's only two or three, it's almost like, oh, you stole my idea. But how, how could I have stole your idea? I don't know you. You know, if your video came out like, in the morning and the mic came out in the night. Does that mean I rushed and made a whole video production? You know what I'm saying? It's obvious that there's like weeks and weeks and weeks of work in this video that happened to be published an hour after the other guy. Oh, you copied him. The, um, the rifle I made from the Mandalorian a couple weeks ago, Odin makes did the same rifle and his came out the day before mine. And it was funny. As soon as I saw his video came out, I was excited to watch it because I love the way he does stuff. And I wanted to see how somebody else solved the same problem. Um, but my first thought was like, everybody is going to say that I copied him, even though <laughs> there's no possible way I could make the project and the video in 24 hours. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah. actually, I don't think anybody said that. People were just excited to see more than one of them. So, yeah, I can't. Anyway, just curious. Yeah, I can't think of any time that. where I've been called out. F- I think a lot of times when I come up with a unique idea, I question myself. Like somebody has to have done this before. I've I can't find it. I've searched, but how has somebody not done this before? And I, I've yeah. done it a couple times with with some some jigs. So, but luckily I haven't uh, uh, angered anybody. You do go look for them? Mm, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Because uh, if I'm making something, sometimes I don't want to be influenced by anything that I see and I want to carry out the idea. Yeah. And then maybe afterwards I'll go look. That's the way I do it almost every time. I rarely ever look to see if someone else has done it because I don't want to end up ripping off somebody <laughs> knowingly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've been accused of... Uh... Uh, with the guitar video where I made the, the guitar look like an AK-47, I've been accused a few times of copying. Um, I can't Peter Tosh had an M-16, and it was his way of protesting. Somebody made an M-16 guitar. It's out there. You can find it. But I explicitly said a thousand times, and nobody hears me. I think it might even be written in one of the comments or a pinned comment. I can't remember. This, was desi- this concept came up by Wyclef, he said, because Peter Tosh had a guitar in the in the 70s, I want one for the 2000s, which basically says, you know, anti-war. Hmm. And that was that's where the idea came from. So people were like, you stole it. I'm like, there's 700 different people that made guitars. I didn't steal it. I didn't even think of it. I was just asked to make it. Anyway, so people hmm. don't think of the whole backstory. 
they don't realize there's a backstory. And they come at yeah. you, they come at you like they with a gotcha, like <laughs> Katie Couric. They give, give you a gotcha <laughs> moment. <laughs> Magazines do you read? Gotcha moment. But uh, what else is going to say? Um, I had a thought. I forgot it. Never mind. It'll come to me. Well, we we did have an actual topic. Mm-hmm. I think. Yes. Uh, Harrison Bennett tweeted at us saying, when was the last time you made something just for fun without filming it or being paid promotional thing? And what was it? And uh, I, I said I do it all the time. I constantly, I mean, every time I'm in my shop, I'm making something. A couple weeks ago, I made a, I, look at this. I'm, I've got right here on my desk. It's a, a blacksmith knife that I made. And I don't. I might have just showed it for a second on Instagram, but this was purely just the learning experience. And most of the blacksmith things that I've made recently, I haven't filmed, and they're not for any promotion. They're not for anything. It's just because I keep jumping into blacksmith videos. Like I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna do this, and then I film myself pounding on the anvil for an hour, and then I look at the footage and I'm like, okay, I'm pounding on the anvil for an hour, and and I'm also I'm also learning, and I'm learning more than I'm actually getting results so that's kind of intangible at least at least right now so i basically came to this conclusion that if i'm going to do another blacksmith video i have to really prepare i have to really know where i'm going because i keep getting into filming me starting anything on the blacksmith in the blacksmith shop and it tends to kind of meander and take too long because i'm still learning i don't have like a direct line to like this is going to be this and so I stopped filming my blacksmith endeavors until I have a better, clearer idea of what exactly it is I do want to make. So I've done a lot of blacksmith videos. I mean, sorry, blacksmith projects with no video. So that's my, my latest example that I could think of because I'm holding this knife right in my hand. So that's because I just said, let me just purely learn and, and get some experience. So there you go. I haven't done almost everything that I do is on is on camera just because my shop time is kind of limited being a a one-person business and so like almost every single thing i do is either it's like oh i need to uh, like the the other day i did make a a step for the dogs to get up onto the bed but it like this was something that i needed and i just pocket hold some plywood together and and i started doing but I, uh, uh, hmm. a couple months ago, I made I made a promise to myself. I am going to start doing things for fun without filming, and I haven't really fulfilled that. I've started a project where I got a cookie, the slice of a tree, and I flattened it on the CNC, and I'm going to make an art piece out of it. And I'm not going to film anything. And I'm like, well, because a lot of it's going to be CNC, and a complete CNC project is tends to get some negative feedback and this one's just for me so I don't care about what people's opinions are for this and so I'm just going to do it but I've I've really struggled to find time to finish this this idea that I have but other than that everything everything that I do almost has a purpose or or gets filmed yeah I think if when you have a job where you work for someone else it's mentally or at least for me in the past when I worked for someone else it was easier for me to say like this part of my day is invested in creating something for my job which yields income and like that's that over there and then the rest of my time is not about income it's about just the rest of life right and you can do 
stuff for fun. You can do stuff with your family and your friends and you can exercise and whatever. And then when you become the business owner, there's not as much separation there about, you know, you have the potential for all of your time to go into something that can create income. Now, that's super dangerous, super bad. You don't want to go there. But that's the tendency, at least for me, is to like, well, what is the way that I can make the most of all of the time that I have? And I've already, you know, intentionally set apart time for my family and for my health and for those things. And so everything else is like work and fun fit in this other part of the pie. And so do I take that and cut it down even further to make income a smaller portion of that? Or do I take that whole leftover pie there and come up with a way to make it all beneficial and all have something to do with income? It's So it's really hard for me to take a, a big thing and say it's just for fun when I can say, well, it can be just for fun or it can be fun and also be a source of income. If we just film it, something that I'm already wanting to make. I mean, that stupid Mandalorian rifle. I made a fake rifle from a Star Wars TV show. That's pretty fun, right? And I totally enjoyed that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if I didn't make a video about mm -hmm. that, that would be lost opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I guess in, in my particular situation, I rarely, if ever, make something for fun and don't shoot it. I often make things for fun and do shoot it. <laughs> but like separating those two for me as a person who's trying to make a living, like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That now there are some things where, you know, like I've, I've made built-ins for our house off camera because I've already made built-ins on camera and that I'm not going to make 300 built-in videos. That's you know? true. I've done stuff like that. Um, but as far as like, if I'm going to, if I come <clears> up with an idea that's something I've never done on video, I'm going to put it on video. I was going to say, Just I, because well, like, why not? I, so go talking about, I use blacksmithing as an example because I happen to have a lot of examples where I didn't film it. But in the beginning, I filmed a lot of the stuff, which I never finished a video on because I just find I don't have enough. There's not enough there for a full video, but I do go into mostly everything I tinker with. I'll tinker for a little bit and then I'll be like, I'll make, I'll go, oh, wow, this is cool. Let me film a version of this. And it, I, and, and even though I haven't been editing vlogs, I still shoot stuff of vlogs because I'm just in a habit of shooting stuff to have. And, uh, and, and that being said, I'll talk in the after show about something interesting. I, I can't really get specific about it, so I could talk about it now. But I film a lot of vlog stuff, even though I have no intentions of really editing it, at least not immediately. It's really now more just a personal visual record. But I just had an interview uh, for a potential TV show. I've had a lot of them, so none of these were actually going to happen. But the guy said, do you have content of of that type of – I can't. I don't want to be specific because I'm going to give it away and I'm going to get in trouble. Do you have content um, – can we shoot content of that type of environment? And I was like, well, since I always shoot vlog content, but I lately haven't been editing a lot of it, I have a whole bunch of that. He's like, oh, my God can we save money and borrow that from you? And I was like, yeah, sure, because it's going to ensure my place on this potential project. But because I always shoot, I have <clears throat> a lot of this content. I, I wish I could be more specific. I'm sorry. But the point I'm making is, is because I'm just having fun and making things and doing things and hanging out with friends and shooting, it's, it's an insurance for what we do for a living that it could ultimately hmm. be used somewhere. So... Even though I said I don't shoot some stuff, I pretty much always have a camera nearby. And I'm like, oh, that's an interesting technique. Even if it just ends up being an Instagram tip or if it's just a, 
you know, it's, it's nice to capture on film because well, the bottom line is we create objects and we create content and that's our living. So our entire existence, at least for now, is, is fun, fun time, fun, fun, create time. Let's record fun, fun, create time. <laughs> and then if I'm not if I'm not recording fun fun create time it's because I'm preparing to record mm-hmm. fun fun create time so that You should really make uh, slogans for companies cuz fun fun create time record time That's is good. a really good That one. is good. That's it. Yeah. Fun fun create time. <laughs> mm, do I smell show title? <laughs> fun fun create time. I smell it. It is amazing when you're not <laughs> operating the camera and trying to get all the angles how fast you can put something together. Yeah, it's like people always say, does yeah, it slow you true. down? Yeah, it slows me down, but it, now it's become second nature. It's like, do all those left turns driving to where you're going, does that slow you down? Because you always have to eventually turn left, right? Like, no, it's just part of the, It's part of getting there. Lately, that's what it is. It's part of getting there. Hmm. So while you were talking there, I had a thought about your blacksmithing stuff. If you've shot a whole bunch of footage of different blacksmithing things and never completed those videos or never completed shooting the videos or whatever. What about if you used all of them together Mm -hmm. to show like a journey of blacksmithing over a course of time? It's a good idea. So like I started with this, you know, and then like show the progression of how you've maybe voice over it. And from this one, I learned this type of stuff. And this one, I learned this stuff. That's a good point. This one, I put together things from the past four videos or four projects or whatever. That's a good idea. You know, to use it as like a, this is not a single one-off, like sit down with leather tools and make a leather thing for the first yeah. time. This is years of experience of experimentation and yeah. gives you a little bit of knowledge. Yeah, I like whatever. it. I, I like it. Oh, you'll see Casey Neistat. Like 15 years ago, I filmed this and this and he's able, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how his archiving process is, but he saves everything and he's able to locate everything, even though he's probably has 200 hard drives. And I don't know how he does that. It's impossible. I don't know how yeah. he does it. Yeah. And to be able to find it to, or to remember that it exists right. or like think about it when you're making a video, like... How can I weave then this piece of footage from whatever ago into the story, you know, and make allowance for it and stuff? Well, the way I've done it is on my permanent record is on YouTube. If I have to remember something that I yeah. actually remember I published, I'll go to YouTube and just film the film the YouTube screen and then use that. <laughs> we um huh. back in the day we shot a music video for my for my old band and. I didn't like the way the music video was shot. And so I actually refilmed. I, I, I blew up the, the video up on the screen, on my computer screen, and then filmed my screen with a phone with one of those eight millimeter camera apps. And so I was able to do like different, get weird angles and stretch the video. And it turned out really cool because I reshot huh. the computer screen. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I'll, hmm. I'll 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 post a link to it up on on Twitter on Friday. Hmm. Cool, hmm. nice. Hmm. Um, all right. Well, what about any other fun projects? Like anything specific that you have done, like along these same lines? I'm trying to think of one because there has to be something that I've done recently that's just off camera for fun. I mean, I know I've been working on this past weekend. I worked on some costumes for my kids. Uh, we've been talking about building all of them, these these Star Wars costumes, for a really, really long time. And 
I was solo dadding this weekend and they were all like, hey, can we work on the costume? So brought them all down and just did a few minutes of that. And that's not something that would be worthwhile to have a video of. And it's kind of like a private, you know, this is something I'm doing with them to show them a process, uh, something that they wanted. So, I mean, I guess that kind of counts, but it doesn't feel like a big project because it was just a few minutes here and there with each kid. So it's like real disjointed and it's like the same, you know, bending plastic. <laughs> so it doesn't really feel like the thing that we're talking about, but yeah, do you guys have anything, any projects well, like that that you've done? I suppose, um, hold on, I have to cough really bad. Hang on. <laughs> Sorry, that came out of nowhere. I was going to start squeaking like a bird if I didn't do that. Um, there, there have been a. I, I'm thinking now. A lot of times, like for instance, I got I got the Wazer. I have a shaper now. This really doesn't answer the question, but me tinkering with those things off camera, there's a lot of learning going on, and that's again, those are supposedly for published videos, so that really wasn't answering the question, but. Those are the moments where I'm like, oh, wow, a new technology. Let me play. No pressure of anybody watching me or me needing to film. I'm going to squeak. Hold on. Squeak. <laughs> Sorry, that was me. I just had to put it in there. So uh, <laughs> they're laughing at my face. I just coughed. But that's that. those are like the precious learning moments. It, it, again, it doesn't really qualify to the answer because those are things that are maybe going to be, you know, in trade or whatever. But those are the moments that I don't film where I'm playing around and yeah. fiddling and experimenting and 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 i said it before even somebody asked a question recently how do you get out of your slump mark's pens he said how do you get out of your uh, dave i saw you gave a good answer to this. this is another question from twitter how do you get out of a creative slump or how you know if you've lost your mojo and, and my answer was and it helps me is tinker get in that shop and tinker and those are moments that i don't film where i'm just tinkering going through boxes of junk and i see a project i tripped over a thousand times and i go oh, I wanted to modify that hammer. Oh, I wanted to modify that tool and weld it to something else. Why don't I do that now? Here's a window of opportunity. I'm not feeling inspired at the moment. Those are moments that are important. And I never film those tinkering moments, whether it's learning a new tool or just trying to develop a new idea for eventually making a video. But at the same time, there's, there's just my mind is just free and easy. I'm not, there's no pressure. It's not like this has to be done by this certain time. Those are the moments that are, are the moments that I cherish. Those things. I have moments. that shaper, and I've had it for a couple months now, at least, and I still haven't even turned it on because I need to find time to tinker. One of the issues that I have is um, so over the weekend, Kelly was on a way for a work trip, and I watched a movie, and I was like, "This is a really good movie," and I felt guilty for watching a good movie without Kelly being here, hmm. and so. Sometimes when I'm in the shop and I'm, I'm I'm making something, I feel guilty for not filming it. So I feel like I should be sharing this. That's a hard feeling to get rid yeah. of. Yeah, I totally feel that. I mean, like sometimes even I'll come down at night uh, and do a little piece of R2-D2, something that doesn't need to be on film anyway because I've already done it 10 times. But I still kind of feel weird and guilty about being down there making progress without filming yeah. it, even though I don't actually need to film it. It's just a weird yeah. condition of like what we do. <laughs> I apologize. It's... I made something without you guys. I won't do it again. Yeah, yeah. that's tough. But... <clears throat> cool. Well, um, you guys got anything else on this? That was that was good. That was a two topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For the price of Double one topic, and we're still ending oh, a little short. Um, you guys, uh, I have a good pick. I think so. You guys figure out your picks while I think 
Patreon. Because <clears throat> we have awesome Patreon supporters. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> Hello. Sorry. He just muted and did this crazy looking cough. I'm sure <laughs> it sounded terrible, but I'm really glad you muted that. Oh, thank you. Um, anyway, our big thanks to our Patreon supporters, everybody that helps us out. You are awesome, and we're really grateful for you. Um, our top supporters over there are Corey Ward. Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker in Training, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, You Can Make This Too, Modern DIY, and Ginny and Davis. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of other people over there, and we are grateful for every single one of you. And because you help us out on Patreon, you get the after show. Maybe Jimmy will give us a little more detail on his secret something. Maybe. I have. Maybe not I here. also have uh, a question. I need some some input on on a potential project I want to work on this week. So maybe you guys have some thoughts. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, if you want to help out the show, you want to get the after show, you want to join the people that support us, we would appreciate it. And go to patreon.com slash making it and uh, pick a level that works for you. Anything is awesome. Wanted to Before we talk about what we've been watching, I wanted to throw out they announced Maker Central finally yeah. for 2020. It's going to be May 2nd and 3rd in Birmingham, England. Uh this next year so and i've committed to going so i will be there at least me too i think they're still kind of getting oh jimmy's going going. and they're still getting the list together of people that are going to show up and stuff but if it's anything like the last couple years it's gonna be awesome and huge and uh a lot of fun so all you people over on that side of the world we'll see you then yep all right what you got? Uh, you know what? I, I got a, a weird one, and I'm just going through my history. And this was just it, one of these. Just, it was just mentioned to me. I don't know why it was mentioned to me, but I listen to Burt Kreischer and all these guys and Joe Rogan. I listen to a lot of these type of podcasts. And here's a video from about a year ago where a guy who weighed 500 pounds, nearly 500 pounds, was in. Oh no, I think he weighed nearly 400 pounds. I don't know. <clears throat> he was inspired to lose weight because of Joe Rogan and, and Burt Kreischer. And the video popped up, and it actually like got to me watching this video. It's only five minutes long. I'll give you guys the link. You can post it, and it's Vance's incredible 365-day transformation will blow you away. It has 43 million views. I, it seems familiar to me. I might have seen it a year ago when it first was published, but it's about a guy who loses 200 pounds in 365 days, and you could see the incredible transformation of a guy that basically is just like a couch potato to somebody that is engaging in life and it's incredible and it, it becomes a social event for him. It's just a short little documentary. It's only six minutes long. And uh, I, I think, it, you know, if there's anybody out there that needs that little kick in the pants, it's it's one of those type of videos. So I'll send you that link. That's it. Cool. So my pick is, I think it's pronounced Love Holton. Uh, this is an Instagram channel I've been following for a while, and my buddy just recently sent me a link saying, hey, did you know he has a YouTube channel? And he takes uh, ordinary items, or maybe not so ordinary, but uh, Nintendos and synthesizers, and gives them a new look. This is something I've played with in the past, where I rebuilt the <laughs> Nintendo. Wait, and I- is Bob frozen? <laughs> is Bob frozen? Brad is frozen on a smile. You guys were yeah. frozen for a second too, and it's perfect. Like this should be his headshot. <laughs> I was like, "Why is he so excited about what you're talking about?" I'm taking my picture. Am, yeah. am I still frozen? 
<laughs> and since pop. I don't hear him, I think he's really super frozen. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, there you are. <laughs> he came back. Oh. I'm laughing because your face was frozen. <laughs> I'm like, why is he so excited about what he's talking about? And then I realize you... <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I'm going to send Weird. you this picture. That's funny. Sorry. <laughs> I'm done. So. Anyway, so Love Holton. I missed some of that. Yeah. So he has a YouTube channel. He has a YouTube channel and he's taken some synthesizers, some Nintendos, some Game Boys and just made new cases for them. This is a thing that I love and I want to do more of. And uh, it's just his design is super freaking cool. These aren't how to's. They're just more or less showing off what he's done. And they're just super cool. Just even if you don't watch the videos, just click on the link and just look at the thumbnails because they're really, they're really good. They're sexy, sexy, sexy. Cool. That is a really funny picture. It just looks like I'm super excited about <laughs> hearing Jimmy or David's pick. <laughs> um, so uh, r- real quick before I say mine, I want to, in the after show, I want to hear about your newest, your racing video okay. and what the reaction has been to that because I meant to ask you about it in this show and I forgot. All right. And we will. So we'll do that in a minute. Um, so my pick is I've always had a big appreciation for Walt Disney and for the Imagineering group. Um, I've had a couple of friends who worked with the Imagining, Imagineering group in Disney World. And just knowing how, you know, from the outside, how they kind of work and all the stuff that they they accomplish and invent and everything. It's always just been like a fascinating place to me. There's a show on the new Disney plus service called the Imagineering story. And I've only watched the first episode. I finished the first one this morning, but it's all about that group of people. Um, And the first episode is just about the original group and how they built Disneyland and how they designed everything and, you know, all the stuff that they were tasked to do. And so I'm excited to see the rest of it. I'm sure they'll cover a lot of Disney World and all the other stuff that they've ended up doing. But it's a really cool, um, it seems like a really cool, big experimental kind of playground, but they have specific things that they have to accomplish, right? So it's like, here's this big, crazy idea. Use whatever you have to use and whoever you have to use and all of the skills you've ever acquired together to get that thing done. I don't care how you do it. That's like the feeling that I get from that group of people, which seems awesome. So I really enjoyed the first episode of this. And I think if you're a maker at all, you may want to watch it just because you can, I think it'll give you some like motivation to just think outside the box and, you know, solve the problems that you want to solve and not only lean on the stuff that you've already done. Mm. That's kind of what it's doing for me. So, and that's on Disney plus they do have a free trial, like a seven day trial. So if you don't want to pay for it, you could always, you know, binge that show i guess it's all there i don't know i've only watched one go check that out um yeah you guys got anything else mm, that's it i find myself at the end of episodes imitating jimmy now with my little <laughs> no like yeah. that's not something i normally do <laughs> it is now <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. Oh, wait, we don't hang up, right? No, don't hang up. Love you.